passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 3 Podcast. This might be college football. Second half of the show, two days ago at this moment, we were getting the flyover and getting set for the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. A lot of conversation since. From The Athletic, by our next guest, why Alabama's last play versus Michigan was stuffed. They must have known it. Nicole Auerbach is an insider for NBC Sports on Big Ten action and uh, also wrote Connor Stallions, Watch Rose Bowl from the Stands. That's interesting considering what has been going on this year. Nicole, thanks so much. Uh, really great to have you with us. Let me just start with, with Connor Stallions for a second. Uh, that's kind of a weird look. The guy that uh, has put Michigan in the, in the middle of this maelstrom showing up. I guess every it's a free country, but still, uh, good afternoon. Thanks you for being here. And tell us about that aspect of the story before we get to the game. Yeah, Paul, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, we first saw this in uh, former Michigan star Chase Winovich's Instagram story that he tagged Connor Stallions and he was there in Michigan gear. He was wearing a Rose Bowl wreath uh, roses around his neck. And I was able to confirm with two different sources that he was indeed there. And it definitely is interesting. And there's been a lot of interesting responses to it because I don't know that anyone could have prevented something like that. Like if he wanted to go to the game and, and buy a ticket as a fan, that he could, couldn't do that. Uh, but it, it is interesting because we haven't really heard anything from him since he released a statement to the athletic the night of his resignation. And I will say the last thing in that statement was that he was going to continue to cheer on his Wolverine. So he is certainly still doing that and certainly seems to still be rooting for their success, regardless of, you know, what may happen to him and, and the fact that he was forced to resign. Nicole, let's get to uh, what everybody continues to talk about. Uh, and that was the way the game ended. Uh, you're reporting on that uh, as uh, we're still trying to sort it all out. What, what, what have you learned since Monday afternoon? Yeah, well, it, first of all, I mean, it was just such a phenomenal game. And I am still buzzing a little bit over it. It was my very first Rose Bowl in person. And it was just picturesque. It, it was as unbelievable as everyone says it's going to be. And then to get a game like this, with the two winningest programs in college football history that comes down to overtime was, was really remarkable. But to your point about the last play, I was in the Michigan locker room after the game and Jesse Minter was talking about Alabama's tendencies and how the game was going to be on the line. The, the ball was going to stay in Jalen Milrow's hands um, and just essentially how prepared they were for that play. And I was right on the same yard line as the snap. So I, I've watched back in my video of the final play and the snap was so low. Right. And so that obviously impacted what maybe the options would have been for the play call um, had, had that not happened. And, I've seen a lot of really smart people talk about, you know, should it have been, was it really an RPO, but it ended up looking like a quarterback draw, but Michigan was ready for that. And um, I, I think, you know, they had been dominating at the line of scrimmage for so much of the day. And they knew that this game was going to come down to Jalen Milrow and, and they were ready to stop him. So that was one of their messages after the game was, you know, in, including tendencies and specific play calls, they were kind of hoping he was going to do something like he did and they were ready to stop it. We're chatting with Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. Uh, and, and, Nicole, listen, uh, we're on the SEC Network. We're, we, we love to beat our chest. That's kind of 
part of the bravado of the uh, the SEC, but I was listening to you on NPR yesterday, and, and, and you stated something very true. Uh, we know Michigan's in the Big Ten, and here comes Washington about to join the Big Ten, and the SEC is watching all this from a great distance. I'm just curious, because you, you spend so much time, you, you went to, obviously, a Big Ten school. Um, just your thoughts on, on how this is playing in your part of the country. It, it matters quite a bit, I think, for, for, the, for Michigan to have won the way that they did against an SEC team because this is the way SEC teams usually beat up everybody else. They're, they're more physical. They're faster at times. They're more athletic. And I thought it was really interesting. I was on the field in the pregame uh, with my pal Jake Butt, former Michigan tight end, and he was talking about how, obviously, like when you see Alabama's players up close and personal, you know, you, you see the size and, and it just like the physical specimens that they are. But Jake brought up how he's been on the field many times where you see an SEC team play a Big Ten team and there's a big size differential. And he felt like this was the first time, this was in the pregame, that he didn't see that. But that he thought Michigan had was built – to compete and, and, and to challenge and to, to potentially, again, dominate that line of scrimmage. So I thought that was really interesting because a lot of has been made about the way that Michigan plays and how it's a little bit old school and, um, you know, maybe it's not the way that you can actually win a national championship in, in college football these days. But it's essentially what the SEC likes to do is to bully you at the line of scrimmage. And they were able to do that and, and to do it more effectively than Alabama. So I think that was really important for – the conference and for Michigan, of course, to, to get over this hump that they hadn't been able to get over. But by doing it against the team, you know, the program that's been the gold standard in the sport for a decade and to do it the way that they did. It's so important because, you know, even when the SEC, you know, didn't play all that well in the pre-conference play, you know, you're, you're going through the season, SEC champs still gets in, and then the SEC teams like Ole Miss and Missouri, they're making statements in both seasons. So you're going back to all these narratives that have existed and have been backed up for a long time about the SEC being the best football conference and winning all these national championships. And I, I thought it was really interesting. I was looking at stats during the game, and since 2000, the 2000 season, the SEC had been 8-2 and two versus the Big Ten in top 10 matchups, and th those were Ohio State, those two wins. But six of those wins for the, big, for the SEC were by at least 23 points. Like, we've seen this be such a lopsided result so many different times. So I think it was really important for the Big Ten to show that they could compete and could beat the SEC, especially as we're moving into this era next season where you're going to have these mega conferences and we're going to be talking about how many teams from both those leagues are going to be making the playoff every year. I think it's important to show that you can actually hang and not just hang, but actually beat the best. Talking to Nicole Arabak uh, about what we saw and I know that uh, there are a lot of uh, Michigan grads uh, in very prominent positions in, in journalism. And you know, to me, d down here, we tend to wear that on our sleeve. I don't know if, it, if it's instilled, but I, but I know you. I know uh, Rachel Bachman from the Wall Street Journal. I mean, mm -hmm. you really don't know uh, where you went to school and, and you went to Michigan. Um, how do you, and I know you're somebody who, who, who spends a lot of time on, in, on college campuses, not only covering, but, but lecturing and teaching. How do you keep that out of your mind as you're you're covering this incredibly uh, incredible story? But it's also very controversial. It's very polarizing. Uh, you do it at the highest level. It, it's I'm I'm intrigued by the other side of the street and what goes on there. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start off by saying my very first game as a Michigan student was App State upsetting <laughs> the Wolverines. So, and then it ended with. Um, 
the end of the Rich Rodriguez era. So it was actually the four-year stretch, uh, the worst four-year stretch in Michigan football history. So, um, you know, there was an NCAA investigation during that time. I covered the hockey team, the men's basketball team. When there were expectations, they fell short. Like, I covered a lot of different experiences as a student, and I didn't grow up in the state of Michigan as a diehard Michigan fan. So I think it helped prepare me of just, like, being able to cover the news and the -the off-the-field issues and highs and lows of sports. Um, up close and personal. And what's interesting about this run is, you know, I've covered, I covered Ohio State's run to the national championship. I was like at USA Today, I was assigned Ohio State. So I basically spent the whole December in Columbus, wrote a million stories on them. All my friends from college were like, what, what are you doing? Why are you only covering Ohio State here? I was like, well, we, we had four writers. We each got assigned a team. And then I had Michigan State. So it was the same sort of thing. Um, and so I think when there's something that's controversial and there's NCAA investigations, there's um, speculation about Jim Harbaugh's future, and then sign stealing. I mean, I just want to be as fair as possible. And that's how I treat every type of story. But, you know, I got emails from people, you know, saying that I'm such a Michigan homer and I'm not hard enough on them. And then I got emails from people saying I was an embarrassment to be associated with that school because I was, you know, joining in on this hit job um, on, on Michigan and in these unfair attacks. So, when you get messages from both sides, I think that it means that you're doing it pretty fairly. And, and also when people are talking to you on both sides of a, of a situation, I think that also means that you're covering it pretty fairly because they're willing to engage with you and, and they respect the way that you're, you're trying to find the truth. So it's definitely a challenge, definitely interesting. Um, and there was definitely an interesting wrinkle of just, you know, watching this game and understanding and knowing so many people on the sidelines and the stands and how much it was going to mean for people. But the level of nerves I have on a game like that it was matches I'm watching Texas and Washington in the, the final moments of that game too. So, you know, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's not that different as, as long as you're able to, and you have relationships with people in all different programs and you're not playing any favorites, but you do know a lot more people who care a lot more about that result. So it was really special to get to share that. And then, you know, my brother went to Michigan, my dad's become a huge Michigan fan. So, you know, I also got them some Rose Bowl merch to, to take home and send to them as well. And this is just an observation from a Southern boy whose parents were from New York City. But the fact that you're from Jersey, I think, is the equalizer, because people from Jersey don't care what anybody <laughs> thinks. True. I, I like that. I, I, that should be my new answer. I'm going to steal that ball. <laughs> well, Bruce Springsteen's made a career out of Jersey, and so have many others. Um, <laughs> Nicole, great to have you on. Uh, such an interesting insight, and uh, we can't wait to... Uh, Hear what you have to say as we get closer to Monday night. Be well. Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. And we'll take a short break. We're back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. 
Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We are back, and Steph is calling next. Good afternoon, Steph. Hi, Paul. It's Steph from Alabama by way of living in South Carolina. How are you? Oh, we are doing great. Thank you, Steph. Great. Well, I spoke with you before Thanksgiving. If you remember, you have so many, so I much has happened. Paul, sure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed speaking with you and the history that we apparently kind of paralleled in life. And just wanted to say, I did try to meet you at the SEC championship pregame show and it was wonderful to see i had so much fun tried to catch the crimson nets baton right in front of me and oh my i do remember that you yeah, need a few lessons said, in the baton I don't, I don't belong on this stage <laughs> it was so much fun my uh, friends i have some dear friends it's so interesting to hear all the callers and everything because i'm kind of like I kind of really, really agree with Mary, a previous caller. I'm just proud our team was there. I've been to the Rose Bowl. I didn't go this year because I had such a good memory with my parents and family. I didn't want to change that memory or narrative in my mind, but I did have hopes of going to Houston, and and that's fine. You know, the better team outplayed us that day, but I just hate to hear all the negativity because I am just, like most fans that I know, proud that we got as far as we did. And those players are someone's children. And I just hate to hear the the vitriol and the piling on because I was proud of Alabama. Uh, I always will be. We cry in private and we congratulate the other team. And that's how you should do it. And, you know, saying our coach is comparing to a – you know, German golfer that should have retired. So I just don't have that kind of respect for people, and I wouldn't do that. And, you know, I, I congratulate Michigan, and, you know, uh, we'll pull for Washington probably in the championship game. But I have tons of Michigan friends. There's a big Michigan contingent here in Greenville, South Carolina. And I can't imagine having any kind of yeah, yeah, or negativity with that. That's poor sport. And I just appreciate how you navigate all the different personalities. And your show just makes my afternoons. Like I said, it was entertainment for my parents, excuse me, and myself for years now. We absolutely love you. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing. You're so wonderful. You you put out fires where you need to. And, and I just think I really like your style and I really respect you. And I really enjoy being the caller. And thank you for having me. Roll well, thank tight. you very much. Uh, great to hear from you and happy new year. Uh, let's check in with Daryl in Baton Rouge. Hey, Paul, how you making out today, man? Daryl, great to hear from you. Hey, look, 
I wanted to talk about Nussmeyer a little bit. You know, he had a great game. He had 397 yards passing, and um, he was voted most valuable player of the game. So it seems like our quarterback is going to be him next year because uh, he did a good job, don't you think? I thought he was phenomenal, uh, and there's no doubt he'll be the quarterback. Um, you know, I was racking my mind what little mind I got, over who Brian Kelly may choose as a defense and an offensive coordinator for this coming up year. You know, that's a hard road to hoe, and I'm sure he's got a lot of people in mind, but to the fans I've talked to around town, nobody really has a clue. You don't hear any names mentioned that might be a candidate for either job. It's kind of it's kind of like everybody's at a loss for who he would pick. Do you have anybody in mind that you think I, I, no, would be? Uh, I really don't. And, and uh, number one, uh, as far as the, uh, well, uh, he, he used to work with Tommy Reese. I don't, I don't see Tommy Reese coming back, but I know he was offered the job originally, uh, as everybody on that Notre Dame staff was. But, but I, I would just be throwing names against the wall, and uh, I don't know what Brian Kelly is thinking right now. Yeah, that's what everybody – that's the general there's opinion a, everybody has. There's a going on, I think, as we speak. So I'm sure he's there interviewing people. That's how it works. But remember something else. He's all, he also knew this would probably happen. So uh, Matt House has been dead man walking for most of the season. Sure. And he showed a lot of class by waiting until the season was over before he let him go. I uh, think because, you know, he's he's, he's already had some issues on his staff. And what it it tells me, Daryl, he desperately wanted to win that game. He knew how important getting to 10 wins was. Yeah. Yeah. And to come from 14 points behind twice in the game. Exactly. You know, that's saying something. That's saying a lot. But the deep. But the defense sure was lacking till that last series, and they showed up finally. Well, look, Paul, you have a great new year, and it was good talking to you, man. You bet. Uh, always good to hear from you, Daryl. Thanks for the call. Let's check in with Cindy, who is calling next. Uh, hello, Cindy. Hi, Paul. How are you? I am doing great. I hope you are. Good. I am. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's your dog? Uh, he is great. When I got home yesterday morning from L.A., uh, he was uh, it was uh, six six fifteen a.m. and he was at the window, wagging his tail and barking. And I, I thought he was there doing that to uh, say hello to me after being gone for four days. He was ready to have breakfast. Oh, well. I mean, I I, had, I walked in the house and before I even uh, uh, turned on a light, he was already dragging me into the kitchen and uh, he got breakfast. I wanted to talk to you about the college football playoff committee. Okay. Um, In my opinion, and what I have noticed, the facts, Mm -hmm. all of them need to resign from the chairman down. Uh, And I am not a Florida State supporter, but they left Florida State at number four until the last minute, knowing they had lost their quarterback and then took them out. 
they left Michigan up there, and Michigan cheated to get where they're at, and they didn't do a thing. I mean, it's a known fact. Harbaugh was suspended. They fired people over it, and nobody did a thing. And everybody's talking about how great Michigan is. Well, darn, they should be. They cheated. And that's nothing to teach young kids. You teach them sportsmanship and play fair and not to cheat. And what has Michigan done? They've cheated. They never should have been in it. Georgia should have been there instead of Michigan. And maybe somebody else has brought this up. I don't know. But that's just my opinion. Um, I think the whole thing was brought about because of the college football playoff and the way they did not have the nerve to do the right thing and take Michigan out. Cindy, thank you uh, for checking in. You be well. You take care of yourself, and we will uh, talk to you very, very soon. Chris is in Tuscaloosa. Hello, Chris. Hey, Paul. Welcome to 2024. Thank you. So uh, you had asked me to call back in. I was the one who called in with the Christmas miracle story. Oh yeah. Uh, and asked us to asked me to call in and tell you about our trip to uh, Pasadena. And yeah, uh, sure. except for about six seconds there, it was it, it was the best trip ever. Oh wow! Tell us about <laughs> um, it. We, well, we, we you know we made the decision not. We stayed in in uh, close to Hollyweird, right down near Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, you know my brother-in-law, his absolute favorite athlete of all time is the late great Kobe Bryant. So we got to go down to, you know, Groma's Chinese theater and see his footprints, you know, in the cement and, you know, all that kind of stuff was, you know, we never had a chance to do that. Um, And so, you know, that, that made it extra special because we, you know, we gave ourselves a little extra time around the game, but, um, and and I had never been to the Rose bowl. So, I mean, it is a unique experience. Like, like, you know, like um, Nicole Auerbach said, it's it's a whole different kind of stadium and atmosphere than anywhere else you've ever been if you've never been. Um, but I, I got to tell you, so we were in the end zone. Uh, we were sitting in the end zone where that where the muff punt, you know, where where Michigan muffed that punt um, toward the end. And uh, I got to tell you, my my wife, you know, she's a student of the game, and she from the very beginning said, got a bad feeling. Like I got a bad feeling. Like it looks flat and it didn't look aggressive, right? Like like. Alabama won both tosses and deferred. And, and normally that, you know, a lot of times we don't do that. We go first. And I think, thinking about it now, I think that maybe Alabama was trying to lean into its strength, which I've said this multiple times on this, plat- on this program, is that Alabama's defense did not, you know, did not get enough credit for how they made this season what it was. Because without that defense, Alabama would have been dead and buried long, you know, way earlier in the season you know, when the offense was struggling. And, I mean, we had a quarterback controversy. I mean, you reported on this very extensively. We had a quarterback controversy that went really late into the start of that season. And, um, you know, our layover was in Las Vegas, so this doesn't really color my opinion on this too much, Um, despite having seen a lady win about four grand just sitting there in the airport. Um, But I, I, I honestly feel like our team was playing with house money at a certain point, right? A J.K., Jackass that he is, you know? 
really great to um, hear from you. I'm so you know, glad you he, had a good time he, out there. Hey, thank you for the call. We head to the break right now. We still have another guest. It's been a busy afternoon on this Wednesday. We're back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We are back, and there's no better feeling. Jim is up next. You know, Paul, I had the phone too close to my, my face uh, last time, and I could hardly be heard. It was a fun call. I enjoyed it. I hope you – I think you heard most of it, but I'm, I'm afraid the audience didn't. But anyway, I had to call back because, you know, we need some fun stuff, and – and that's what that upbeat. That's that's what stuff stuff from Alabama's call was. It was fun stuff, it was great. civilized stuff, positive stuff, good stuff. I mean, really, I loved it. And I want to say she talked about she brought up you know about the the guy whoever it was comparing Saban to a German what German soldier? A German golfer. A German? Oh yeah, behind uh, uh, Bernard behind longer Bernhard. I can't even say it. Longer. Great guy, great guy. Great but guy. I thought she said. Well, anyway, I was going to say this, even though I, that's not what was said. I, I misunderstood. But if there was anybody to be compared to a German soldier, it would be Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Do you agree? I think you agree. Well, I, I mean, really, Paul, the guy reminded me, looked like, acted like one of those soldiers you see in the in, in the German war stories uh, back. You know, those movies, those old movies. I mean, he, that guy. I hate to be in the same room with that guy overnight. He looks creepy. He acts creepy. I'm telling it like it is. Am I not? I know I am. I wonder, you I agree? There's a lot of speculation about Harbaugh's future, but I, I think he could make a lot of money in Hollywood as a, <laughs> as, as a scary Have actor. you ever seen those movies of a guy called Boris Carlow? He yeah. looks just like him. I mean, you put some some heavy makeup on him, and he would scare Not much. You, you don't need much, Paul. He would be I'm the serious. scariest guy in, 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 uh, at, at Universal. <laughs> Maybe that's where his next. Maybe he's going to forsake the uh, football coach and show, go straight to uh, Hollywood. Who was the guy? Was it was it the Monsters? Um, yes, yes. You, you could yes. Pay him. And I know. Be, yeah, you could he could be merch. easily. Yeah, easily be him. Fred Munster. Family. I'm sorry. Who was in the Monsters? Fred Munster. I can't. Big tall guy with. Yeah, you know, he, looks uh, a little, he looks a little bit like Fred, doesn't he? <laughs> absolutely, without makeup. Yeah. The back of his head. I mean, God, that guy's creepy. I, I know it's getting negative. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, uh, but I love Steph's call. Yeah, Fred Gwynn. Uh, it was Herman Munster. 
Right, right, exactly. But I just thought I'm, I'm I mean, uh, he would not have any difficulty in the remake of the Munsters. <laughs> we're I'm telling you, Paul, this is the fun, most fun I've had on. This is the most fun I've had on Flying Bomb in, in many a moon, many a moon. Well, this is fun year, stuff. Jim. Huh? It's a new year. Absolutely, and we're starting it off right. You're doing right. a good job today, Paul. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thanks so much. I man is up next. Well, <clears throat> how are we doing today? We are. Uh, we be in. You, you know, Paul. You, I was just listening to Jim. I mean, that's kind of a silly call. I mean, Harbaugh looks like the man that just kicked Nick Saban's ass. That's what he looks like. He looks like the man that just kicked the goat's ass. I don't think he's the goat. Y'all think he's the goat. I always said he's the goat because y'all address him as such. I mean, y'all worship him like some kind of idol. And and to uh, Handsome Joe, I was not complimenting Alabama. Alabama, yesterday when I was talking about they were intimidating, it's a fake intimidation. It's just a bunch of street corner thugs standing out there posing, and that's what they did. They posed all year. And then Michigan kicked that ass. And then I'm watching this. That's what I love about ESPN. Y'all have all these fake debates about nothing. About nothing. Well, did Alabama lose it or did Michigan win it? Michigan, all right, Paul, let me ask you a straight-up question. Man to man, everybody in the world's listening. In the game of football, there's no ties. There's a W and an L. What does the W stand for? Win. What does the L stand for? Loss. Who's got what? What does Michigan have beside that game? They have the win. They have a W, have and that a w. means a win. A dub. The, Alabama has an L. That the means dub. they lost. They got the they got the ass kicked. And all this fake outrage. Oh, I'm mad. I'm madder than you. These bammers are pretending like damn Jan Brady on a bad Saturday night that David Jones didn't come over. I mean, I'm madder than you. No, I'm madder than you. It's just fake outrage. No, what they're mad at, they're mad at themselves for putting all their heart and soul and their prayers and, 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 and if whatever else they got to, to, to give away for riding with the damn loser. They got the ass kicked. So now they got this fake outrage, and they got to be madder than the next guy. When you say they got their ass kicked, does that give you a does that give you an adrenaline rush? Does it? Uh, no. Okay, I just want because you said do, it a couple it's, of times. It's, it's now. entertainment I just to, make sure to me. That, see, there you are, obfuscating. You're, you're obfuscate. trying to create something. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're just you're trying to figure out a way to turn flip things, and you can't flip them. Well, I'm trying to it mess doesn't up your do rhythm anything for me, but what I can do, what I can do is say this: I can come on here and be completely honest with my thoughts. I don't have to have a fake debate with 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 uh, Stephen Smith or whoever y'all talking to on TV. All y'all's talking heads. I mean, it turns into a, a, a crazy, convoluted mess of a bunch of overpaid people talking about nothing hey, to kill com- 24 hey, I mean, hours. Calm I mean, down on that overpaid, okay? <laughs> you 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 way over. You you make a little bit more than I do. I mean, I still work for a living. I, You're a, flying I, around I'm the country. I'm a pauper compared to the guys you were just referring to. <clears throat> no, you I'm a pauper compared to the guys I'm talking to. Okay. And then Legend's gonna come over here and yesterday and talk about J.K. Well, he picked the tide. He picked 
tied because it's a contest. He's trying to win a damn T-shirt or something, maybe a lunch out somewhere. He picked because everybody thought that Alabama was going to win that game. Everybody thought Alabama and Texas were going to rematch because, hey, listen, Paul, if you're going to step all over this Do you know why everybody uh, predicted Alabama? Why? Because they're the tide. Because, and and they didn't tie. They got the ass kicked. (laughs) They wished they could have tied. Well, they did tie temporarily. We, we would have been there. We'd still be there if they were tied. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and eventually, and now everybody's mad at the center. They won't talk about the center. Oh, the center's gone. job is to go up there and look at all the defensive people. He calls out the offensive blocking schemes. He's got three, four, five people every play just whipping his ass, too. And, and they want to point the finger at Why don't you point the finger at that hot and cold quarterback that doesn't know half the playbook because he told the offensive coordinator, we ain't running these. And then he had the audacity to come on TV in that same conversation. It's like, we don't practice running plays. I know how to run. Well, we saw how well he ran, didn't we? Fourth and three. And Michigan kicked that ass for Dan Eagle. We will take a short break to kind of regenerate and try to exercise that call out of our mind. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. We are back, and he has arrived just in time. Larry from Shelby is up next. Hey, Paul, what's up, man? Hey there, Larry. Uh, I'll probably be in the hospital tomorrow. I got to go in. What's wrong? <clears throat> but, yeah, I got pulmonary problems, upper chest. Okay. But, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm, man, you know what? I, I'm not going to let him pull my pen. I'm not. I'm not going to blow up. I, I'm just going to ignore him. He just got to the point. He's just ridiculous. He's just so old and stupid and ridiculous. Nobody wants to hear him. But on some football news, McLaughlin transferred in the portal. Yes, sir. He's gone. And in the game, he had 30 bad snaps. So that might be the reason. Well, well, uh, well, Larry, answer me this. If he was so bad, which he was, why did he keep starting? That's beyond me. And and not only that, assuming that he wasn't very good at a a long snap, why didn't didn't the offensive coordinator – change the setup to make yeah, it easier. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, here's what Saban said at a press conference one time. If I had any damn body else, he'd be in there. Well, I know that, but if your center can't just, snap, I guess then, you, then you put the quarterback under center. Would work out. Yeah, I know that, Paul. I'm not I, – I, I'm, I'm questioning it myself. I don't know, but I know this much. Uh, he, he snapped low on the uh, fourth and goal. And uh, Milro tripped over 65 feet. Oh, yeah. Uh, he that got was, pushed uh, back uh, into Milro, but that's neither here nor there. 
Yeah. You know, we, we're home. And, well, I think part of the problem there is the guy that Latham got blown up and was backing up. And, uh, I mean, that, it was. Yeah, it was, right. It was, that, was, that was really the uh, biggest the part of, of the play is that a guy half his size or seemingly half his size knocked the guy yeah. back on the biggest play of the year. Yeah, he, uh, he didn't push his whole body, but it was his feet. Got Latham was just being manhandled but, by that guy. If you go back and look at the play, yeah, well, I mean, we got the play on right snap. now. Watch Latham. He's 77, isn't it? Or is he 60? Uh-oh, Where is 65 Latham? Latham's right the one that tripped up. 65. Milrow. Latham yeah, gets, watch, watch 65 on this play. On the right side. He just gets pancaked. Yeah, 65 on the right-hand side. Yeah. And what, Milrow got a bad low snap, and about a second delay. And then when well, he went to the line. McLaughlin was part of it, but Latham just got taken out. Yeah, but I don't know if it was 65 or not. Well, it was. But it was sure on the right-hand right. side, and we hadn't had been having any trouble on the right-hand side. But the point being that uh, well, you yeah, got, I mean, we watched uh, it again. Larry Latham literally got knocked in almost into Milrow. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. That that. But can you get a low snap? And you watch when he had I mean, to bend by down. By the way, to it wouldn't have made a big difference. Milrow was going to get second. Milrow. I mean, even if you take uh, sixty-five off the screen, Milrow still had nowhere to go. Uh, uh-uh. that play should never been. We know that. I'm agreeing with you on that. We got a damn sense to know that. But, but he, uh, may, he may have gotten another half people, a yard. Yeah, I mean, it's just people want to want to run their yak. You know, Michigan got a good team. I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, we, we had a chance for us to go as far as we did with all our issues and all the negative output. I think we did a great job. I'm proud of the team. Hell. Well, I love they were, they were, they were, they I mean, they I did a great job. There's nothing wrong with 60 uh, years of my life through them. So I'm a roll tide guy. You know that, Paul. <laughs> I sure do. Well, hey, Larry, uh, more important than that, uh, we'll be thinking of you tomorrow and let us know what's going on. Yeah, and you young people out there, don't do like I do and go crazy. Don't let them pull you, pen. Look over them, and you'll be a lot better off. Okay, well, well good Bye. luck tomorrow. Hope it's a good okay. Hope you get this pulmonary thing. It's not much fun. I appreciate it. Let's uh, check in with Lou, who is in Tennessee. Hey, Lou. I can't believe I get to follow Larry, and now I don't even know what to say, man. Uh, Larry, I hope you get better. But you that whole thing, that whole conversation was just nothing but a bunch of crap. You're just an Alabama redneck, and you don't have any idea what you – Alabama got beat. I'm not a Bama fan, and I'm not a Georgia fan or anything else, but I tried to call you a couple weeks ago, never got in, but uh, I agree with you that you thought the committee got the the playoff right, and I fear for college football going down the road with the FSU game and Georgia game, and when Kirby made that post-game comment that said that – uh, you know, we got to fix this. And it was unfortunate for Florida State. Kirby even said that. He was just a magnificent, he was a magnificent model of what a coach is. And I'm not a Georgia fan, but I've got to give him kudos. And I think Saban is the greatest coach ever played, uh, that's ever coached games. Um, and he's as good as Bernhard Langhard or Langard. <laughs> Or whatever. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, 
everybody's great when their time is you're you're great because you do what you do you put up with us and that's that's a magnificent feat well the, the anyway, thing i would object to so, about uh the, the bernhard longer bernhard longer won a couple of majors uh, uh, uh the, the better comparison the, might be tiger woods well maybe well go back go back to tom Sne- or sneed yeah, but, but n- nobody uh, with Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus did. Uh, I mean, they're both in the same league. Uh, oh yeah, they both won more. Uh, you know, we're talking about majors, and Saban with seven titles. Uh, that would equate to about eighteen majors in golf. Agreed, a hundred percent, sir. Oh, it, hands down. But anyway, so I I got all that off my chest. Now I want to talk to you about one word. Let's quit calling him Nico, and let's pronounce his last name. And this is for the caller. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. 